You are listening to the Tales of Grimoire. Turn down the lights, grab a snack, and listen. Book One, The Lost God, Chapter Four, Fire and Flight. Satoshi's arms were beginning to tire. Each new push of the wheels felt more difficult than the last. His muscles were burning, and his lungs were aching. He refused to surrender. Do you need a rest, Satoshi-san? Sensei Kazan asked. No, I want to keep going. Kazan nodded and continued his slow walk beside Satoshi's chair. Satoshi had no desire to return to the castle. It was depressing. The market was exciting. It was full of people and song and dance and smells and completely devoid of his father's memory. Not a rest, then. Lunch, perhaps, the old man pressed. Satoshi was hungry. The smells of grilling fish and simmering stew were making his mouth water. I want nabe. Do you want any specific sort? He asked. Hot uthudon. Satoshi watched Kazan walk to the nearest nabe vendor. Satoshi had not gotten used to Kazan yet. He was a competent tutor, but he could never replace Fugu. Fugu used to help Satoshi work the bow from his chair. Kazan had never tried. Kimiko always said he meant well. Kazan returned with two steaming bowls and gestured with his head toward a quiet corner of the market plaza. Satoshi wheeled himself behind the old man and pulled in near a wooden crate that Kazan pressed into service as a chair. The bowl felt good in Satoshi's chill hands, and the dashi was warm and welcome in his belly. The noodles were soba. Kazan meant well. I can't remember the last time you wanted me to take you to the market, Master Satoshi. The old man began. I never have. Why did you want to come here today? He continued. Satoshi paused for a moment. He did not want to lie, nor did he want to tell the truth. I just felt like being in the market. Kazan nodded sagely before replying, It's been... 
Five days. And you still haven't spoken about it. How are you feeling? Satoshi again paused, facing the same conundrum. I'm not feeling any worse. The old man fixed him with a stern gaze. Speaking in half-truths helps no one. Getting out of the castle was a good first step. Speaking at all is a good second. But we cannot progress unless you speak honestly. He was your father. You must be feeling something, and I want to help you. I cannot do that if you won't talk to me. Fugu would never have made Satoshi talk about it. I talked to Kimiko about it. Was that helpful? Kazan pressed. I think so. You know, Master Satoshi, I did not fail to notice that your request came mere moments after her departure this morning. Was there something else you wanted to talk to her about? He continued. Satoshi ground his teeth and stared into his nabe. I don't want to talk to you about it. Silence descended, and Satoshi focused on his nabe for a long while. If you don't want to talk yet, we can walk more. Have you ever been to the great temple of Arsivico? Kazan offered, changing tactics. Mai lives there. You didn't answer my question, Master Satoshi. Kazan replied. No, I've never been to the great temple. It's not far. Why don't we go there? Kazan insisted. I don't want to talk to Mai. I didn't say you had to, he answered. She doesn't understand. And neither do I, he asked. You... No. You've never talked to me about Fugusan. As I understand it, you were quite close with him. I'm sure you experienced many of the same emotions when he passed that you are feeling now. If five days are not enough, are five years, he continued. Fugu understood. Again, I must state that riddles and dramatics are poor substitutes for conversation. What exactly is it that only Fugusan understood? Kazan demanded. Satoshi ground his teeth. This was the last conversation he wanted to have. He understood that I'm not fragile. Silence descended again from many heartbeats. Go on, the old man insisted. He never brought samurai when we went to the market together. Don't think of them as samurai. Think of them as heavily armed strangers who enjoy walking two meters behind us, Kazan replied. He let me try things. Things he knew I couldn't do. He let me try them anyway. The bow, Kazan answered. The bow. He helped me try to fire it from my chair.
Were you ever successful? Kazan asked. Satoshi paused. He had not been. I could have been with more practice. How often did you practice? Kazan pressed. Every day for an hour. And how long exactly had you been practicing every day for an hour? Kazan continued. A tear formed in Satoshi's eye, and he clenched his jaw tightly. Kazan was such a frustrating man to deal with. Years. Years and years. I don't remember when we started. Kazan leaned in closer. Satoshi locked eyes with the man. His eyes had a profound sadness as he spoke. Master Satoshi. Fugusan was a great man. He trained your father and your sisters before you. He served his shogun and his realm for decades more than many men live. I have noticed, however, that for all of the wisdom he possessed, he had either ignored or forgotten a central lesson in this life. You cannot be everything that you wish to be. Satoshi could feel more tears forming in his eyes. Do not misunderstand me. In saying this, I do not mean that one should not try. It was good and admirable that you should have continued working at the bow after the sickness took your legs. Do not for one moment think that I do not respect and understand why you had to. In the end, though, continuing would only have been a waste of your time. Years of daily practice will yield results, if ever they will, long before they become uncountable. I do not think you are fragile, Master Satoshi, but after years of failure, I think it is safe to say that your effort is better applied to other endeavors. Satoshi began crying in earnest. Years of frustration were erupting to the surface of his mind. He could feel the words flowing out of his mouth, but he was no more in control of them than he was of the wind. But it's not fair! I was supposed to be a samurai! I was supposed to ride into battle on, on horseback and fire my bow and swing my sword. I was born to be a warrior. Satoshi lost control and began sobbing openly. He felt Kazan's hand patting his back and jerked his shoulder to brush the old man away. When he ran out of tears, Satoshi looked back up. The old man was patiently watching. It was infuriating. That may be so, Master Satoshi. Unfortunately, life does not always grant us our birthright. He said sadly. Silence descended once more. Thank you for speaking with me about Fugusan. May we now speak honestly about your father? He pressed. Satoshi prepared a harsh response, but the words died on his tongue as his ears exploded in agony. 
the world began spinning. Satoshi found himself upside down and tumbling out of his chair. Something hard and cold slammed against his face. For just a moment, his vision went completely dark. Once everything stopped spinning, Satoshi found himself lying on the market cobbles. His ears were ringing. He could not hear any of the people, but they looked to be screaming. Satoshi craned his head to look for his chair. It was lying on its side about a meter away. Kazan was sprawled on the ground. His mind was running a kilometer a minute. The shock of this sudden sensory assault was too much for him to process. Everything felt like it was racing ahead of him and moving in slow motion at the same time. He felt ill. A pair of arms grabbed Satoshi and lifted him into the air. He screamed but could not hear his own voice over the ringing. He flailed his arms only for his hand to collide painfully with enameled steel. After a beat, he found himself being dropped to the ground. Something wet, hot, and sticky sprayed across his neck. Satoshi's mind was aflame. He could not understand what was happening, what any of this meant. He wanted nothing more than for the world to stop for just a moment. A hand grabbed his shoulder. He jerked away and rolled onto his back to assess the assailant. One of the samurai was leaning over him, a concerned expression plastered across his face. Satoshi looked down his body to see the other lying dead on the cobbles. The ringing was beginning to subside, and Satoshi could just make out what the surviving samurai was saying. Are you hurt? he asked. Satoshi froze. He had no idea if he was hurt. Everything hurt. Every part of his mind was crying out. He was so confused and angry and frightened, he had no idea what was happening. The samurai lifted Satoshi off the ground and awkwardly seated him back in his chair. Satoshi pulled himself straight and looked up to address the samurai. His words once again died on his tongue when he saw the sky beyond the man's shoulder. The city was on fire. No. The castle was on fire. We have to get you out of here, the samurai insisted. Satoshi could not look away from the smoke. The castle, it was gone. It was all gone. His home, his mother, Sakura, maybe even Kimiko if she had returned. Everything was rising into the sky on that smoke. Everything was rising up, away from him. Save one thing. From the corners of his strained and disordered mind, a single thought coalesced. The one thing that might still be with him. The last thing that might make sense. My. Satoshi turned to look for the samurai. He was bent over Kazan, helping the horrible old man up. We have to go to Mai. Both men turned to look at Satoshi. 
We have no time, young master. We must get you out of the city before more enemies find you, the samurai solemnly answered, gesturing toward the former comrade he had slain. Satoshi refused to leave Mai behind. He had to find her. She was all that was left. She was the only one who could not be rising in that smoke beyond his reach. He began wheeling himself in the direction he believed the great temple of Arsivico to be. If they would not help, Satoshi would find her himself. He ground to a sudden halt as his chair was grabbed from behind. Let go of me! We have to get Mai! No, we must get you out of the city, the samurai insisted. Satoshi struggled against the samurai's iron grip to no avail. He could feel tears running down his cheeks again. Home. Mother. Sakura. Kimiko. My. Satoshi could only watch as he was propelled down the labyrinthine streets of Daikyo toward the northwest gate. The streets were filled with screaming people, running in every direction. Satoshi heard the crunch of debris under his chair the whole way. The people panicking on every street they passed showed signs of injury. The explosion must have been enormous to cause damage this far away. The castle must have been completely destroyed. It was a heavy thought. Gone. Vanished. Erased. Obliterated. The castle was completely destroyed. His room, his bed, his windows, his paintings, his poems, his memories. All gone. The great hall, the dining hall, the larder, the library. All gone. The servants, the samurai, the guardsmen, the horses. All gone. His mother, his sisters. The thought was unbearable. Seeing their faces in his mind's eye and knowing that he would never again see them in the flesh was beyond his capacity to stand. His heart felt like it was shattering. His mind felt like it was aflame. He had so much rage and confusion and sorrow that he could scarcely describe what the aggregate was. He could hardly even wrap his mind around the concept. Everything was gone. Everyone was gone. And the one person who might not be was no longer his to find. He was being sped away from his last connection to the reality he had known and toward an unknowable future. The unspeakable grief was consuming him, eroding already the foundations of his world. The strange parts of the city in which he found himself were as familiar as any part of the world could ever be again. Exactly what part of the city was he now in? As he was being moved farther and farther from the castle, the atmosphere was growing steadily seedier. The runners-by were dressed less elegantly, and they were throwing increasingly suspicious looks at Satoshi and his companions. Satoshi felt incredibly out of place. 
where are we? The outer ward, Kazan answered through labored breaths. This is where the Baraku men are quartered. They're staring at us. I should doubt very much that any of them are accustomed to seeing a samurai in full regalia. Satoshi locked eyes with a child on the side of the street. He was clothed in tattered rags, his bones visible through his skin. He wore an enormous smile on his face, which Satoshi could only ascribe to the sight of the samurai. Next to the child, tending a battered daikon cart, was a similarly clothed adult. No smile was visible on his face. Satoshi quickly averted his gaze. Will we be safe here? No one looks very happy to see us. We aren't staying master, Satoshi, Kazan answered. We are getting out of the city. Satoshi continued to observe the streets in silence. Even this far out, the effects of the explosion were visible. Panic still ruled. It must have taken almost an hour to reach the gate. A gate which was closed, barred, and guarded by the watchman who had been absent amidst the chaos. Are you sure we should approach? Perhaps it would be wiser to lay low and wait for the commotion to abate. Kazan whispered to the samurai behind Satoshi's back. We cannot remain in the city. If these men are loyal servants of their shogun, they will let us pass, the samurai replied. And if they are disloyal, if they support the regent instead, what will they do then? And even if they are shogun's men at heart, there is no shogun. Sakura has not been confirmed by the emperor yet. Kazan spat back. Satoshi ground his teeth. He disliked the look of the men guarding the gate. He disliked more the way they were staring. I don't think we should go through the gate. We must, young master, the samurai answered. Satoshi opened his mouth to protest, but once more found himself being pushed forward. Very briefly. Satoshi heard something whistle over his head, and felt his chair suddenly stop. He heard a dull thud from behind, followed by a gasp from Kazan. Before he could process what had just happened, he found himself being lifted clumsily from his chair. Kazan was dragging him across the ground and back into the screaming crowds. Satoshi looked up to see the old man's face burning with the effort. Another arrow whistled through the air nearby. Someone in the crowd screamed. Bodies were beginning to press in on all sides. Kazan dragged Satoshi through three streets before pulling into an alley to catch his breath. Satoshi pulled himself up on his elbows and leaned back against the wall facing Kazan. His head was still spinning. How could this be happening? What even was happening? Satoshi's world was burning down around him and rising up on the smoke. And he had no conception of why it was 